0: Well good morning LEFC, it's good to see you all. Uh, If you are new here, you'll see in the bulletin that on the back it says Tony Hunt is preaching. I am not Tony Hunt, I am a little taller and a lot younger. Um, But uh, we are going to be lifting up the Hunt family in prayer. If you are part of the prayer chain emails that go out throughout the week, you will have seen that Tony's parents, Randy and Leanne Hunt, were in a uh, significant car accident in Ohio this week on Thursday. So Tony was able to go out, and he is with them now. Um, Praise God that things are looking better now than they did on Thursday. Um, Last I heard, they were waiting on the doctors to do some rounds in the morning to hopefully be able to discharge Randy today. He had a few surgeries earlier this week um, on his hand and his neck and has some stitches in his head. Leanne broke two ribs. She was able to be treated and released on Thursday. So uh, we'll be praying that Randy is released today from the hospital. And if that's the case, Tony will be driving them home this afternoon or this evening. Um, But would you just join me in prayer for the hunts as well as our time in the Word this morning? Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you and lift Randy and Leanne Hunt up to you. Lord, thank you for preserving their lives in the midst of this car accident Uh, But we do continue to pray for their health going forward. As Randy has a road of recovery ahead of him, Leanne continues to deal with the soreness. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just bring full healing to their bodies. We're looking forward to having them back in our midst soon. I know their plans have changed significantly. So Lord, as they um, just grieve the loss of certain plans and make different um, plans going forward, Lord, I pray that they would follow you. Pray for um, Tony as he walks alongside of them and brings them home. Pray for a smooth journey. Uh, for Randy and Leanne's sake on the turnpike coming home. And Lord, as we uh, open your word today, Father, I pray that it would be convicting, that it would encourage us, um, that we would honor and glorify you. So Lord, may your blessings be on your people today. Amen. Well, we will be continuing in our series, What's Your Story? today. We've been in that for a few weeks. We have another week of that next week. Um, But over the past couple of weeks, we've gotten to hear some really powerful testimonies of some things that the Lord has done in the lives of people that we call brothers and sisters here in our own church. Uh, Today, we're going to be getting to hear another story. We don't share these stories with you to put them on a pedestal, um, but instead to make much of our God and give him the glory. I can't help but glorify God when I hear these stories of restoration and reconciliation that he has done in their lives. And we've been talking about some pretty significant heavy topics over the past couple of weeks. Yet, we get to leave every weekend filled with joy because of the work that God has done in their lives and knowing that we worship and belong to the same saving God whose spirit is at work in our lives if we call him our Father. So today, our story will be hearing about somebody's life who was saved from the pit of addiction. Now, addiction is a negative word. I think whether you're a believer or not, nobody in our culture would be advocating for addiction or saying that it's something good to pursue. Yet, our culture glorifies many things that are very easy to entice and lure us into the trap that leads to addiction. And even if you feel like this may not apply to you today, I want to say up front that no one in this room is above the lure of sin and temptation that eventually leads to the road of addiction. So this is something that we must take seriously. The Word of God has much to say about it, not only as a warning, but also with a message of hope. So we'll be looking at that as we go through scripture today. Addiction takes many forms. When we first hear the word addiction, um, at least for myself, I often think towards like alcohol or drugs, which absolutely can pull us into addiction and we'll be hearing a story of that. But there's a whole list of other things that also pull us into the trap of addiction. Things like pornography, sexual pursuits, sports, music, our own talents, the pursuit of celebrity and fame, perhaps your career, money, gambling, the use of social media, maybe even our families, control, power. The list goes on and on and on. We could add many more things to that list. Some of these are evil through and through. But a few of the things that I shared, many of the things that I shared, in themselves are good. But if they are used improperly or too much, they can lead to addiction. So for an example of how culturally acceptable certain addictions have become, uh, and maybe many many of us struggle with this, um, listen to these statistics. The average adult spends seven hours and four minutes on their cell phone every single day. They also pick up their phone an astounding average of 344 times every single day. That's amazing. Not in a good way. Uh, Seven hours and four minutes and 344 times. Now, I looked up my own statistics on my phone this week. While they're not those numbers, they definitely were still embarrassing and convicting, something that I need to watch in my own heart. Um, I know your phone can show you this info. If you want to see where you're at, you can find it in the settings to see how much you're using it. This can easily slide into addiction. But, like I said, it's a culturally acceptable one. Phones are pushed on us and all the apps and social media that comes with it. This reveals that we all, none of us are above this we all can be swept up into addiction. We're all susceptible, maybe to different things, but it does hit each one of us. We must be on our guard and daily ask the spirit for guidance in our lives. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 14? If you are using the Bible app, um, I've realized the ironicness of that first service. <laughs> um, didn't catch that in my preparation, but that's okay. Um, if you are on, our, on the UVersion Bible app, if you go to the More and look up events, you'll see LEFC and you can follow along there. We have some notes in scripture in there. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 14. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends... Flee from idolatry. So I'd like to take the next couple of moments and step through this passage and pull out four significant observations that I think Paul was speaking to the church. The first, temptation is a reality for everyone. So Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church, the people in Corinth, and at no point in the context of these verses does he step back and address a single person or a smaller group of people. This is written to the entirety of the church. He's telling the whole church to be on their guard against temptation. No one is above it. Notice in verse 13, it says, when you are tempted, not if you are tempted. I have a promise for you. You will, and regularly will, face temptation. I think most of you, if not all of you, would agree with me on that. We encounter temptation on a daily basis. and honestly, it's not even really that hard to think of the things are that tempt us personally. We could come up with a list fairly quickly. Yet, I want to make an important distinction here, a distinction between temptation and sin. Temptation itself is not sinful. As we continue to walk through these verses, we'll see that temptation leads to sin if it is not addressed, but temptation in itself does not equal sinning. So, like we've said, you will face temptation on a daily basis. That doesn't mean that you'll fall into sin every single time because we have the power of Christ to rely on. Jesus himself faced temptation. When he was in those moments in the wilderness, he relied on his heavenly father and on the word of God to stay strong and not sin. He is our model and example to follow. Yet, we all know that we are not Jesus. So the reality is that we will face temptation that is beyond our ability to beat alone. Yet we still, in our pride, try to beat temptation on our own and fail and fall into that. We need the help of God. Number two, you are not alone in your temptation. So following right on the heels of that first statement, Paul says that there is no temptation that you will face that isn't common to man. Temptation, sin, addiction, these things are all very lonely and isolating. When you're in the pit feeling depressed and alone, you may also feel like you don't deserve the help of others. That is a lie. Scripture tells us that temptation is common. Others face the same battles that we do. We as people, God's people, are built or created for community. We need community especially more than ever when we are in despair. Sin and addiction often cause shame. Shame is embarrassing, but it is not of the Lord. Please, please, do not let shame keep you buried in addiction and out of community. Cast your shame upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ and step out into the light and freedom. We are not alone in this. Number three, God, in his faithfulness, always provides a way out. If you were here a few months ago when Dan Hollingsworth preached, you may remember him using the phrase, but God, many times. Stands out in my mind, I still remember that. And even though those exact words are not here in this passage, this seems like one of those powerful but God moments to me in Scripture. Not only should we battle temptation with the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we have the Creator God on our side. He is offering a way out. I don't know about you, but when I'm in battle, there is no one that I would rather have fighting for me than the one who spoke and everything came into existence. There is nothing more powerful than our God, and that includes any temptation and addiction that you might face. Now, I know in the day-to-day of addiction and temptation, the way out may seem impossible, We'll be hearing a story coming up in a moment that each day was a struggle in the life of this man, and any hope that he held out for the next day was quickly erased and lost. Yet when we turn through Scripture, we see story after story about how God showed his faithfulness again and again to his people. When the Israelites were slaves for generations in Egypt with no hope, God showed up and led them out. When it seemed like the promised Messiah might never come, God sent his son and provided a way out of sin and shame. When this world is overwhelming, we can look to Christ and know that someday he will return and take us home to a place where temptation is no more. The final observation on this passage, addiction is idolatry. Now, that's a bold statement. And when I think of the word idols, I'm often thinking of, like, the golden calf or different statues that the ancient Israelites put up. Yet, idolatry is alive and well today, just always in new and even more clever forms. We'll define idolatry as the worship, pursuit of, or valuing of anything over God himself. If there is anything in our lives that we put before God no matter how slightly, we have an idol. In the midst of addiction, when we can't help but go back for more, even if we don't want to, we have an idol. It's easy to allow even the good things in our lives to become idolatry. When we have something that we enjoy and we allow our love and enjoyment of it to supersede our love and enjoyment of Christ, we have an idol. Paul tells us to flee from idolatry, not just stand around and avoid it, but no, to flee from idolatry. Addiction forms when we allow idolatry to continue unchecked in our lives. Let God do the battle for you and get as far away as you can from anything that will ensnare you and entrap you. So we must constantly be aware of the things that we fill our time with, our calendars with, our lives with, our days with, even the good things, to make sure that our priorities are in order so that we will not allow ourselves to lose sight of God and develop addictions and idols. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Colossians 3. Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Put to death, This is a very clear, straightforward warning. Look at all that list of things that is summarized within idolatry. Idolatry is a sin that encompasses so many others, and I think we lose sight of that and don't realize it. Yet right before this verse, right before it, in verses 1 and 2, Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. So in these two verses, we are told to set our hearts and our minds on things above, not to get caught up in the things of the world. That's the list in verse 5, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, and idolatry. Those things cloud our vision of Christ. And as idols, idolatry blocks our view of Christ. And talking about addiction today, addiction is idolatry. This morning, we're going to get the chance to, op- to meet Austin Peters. Austin is a man who attends our church, and we're going to hear his story and his trials through a battle of addiction, and then how God reached in and saved his life, pulled him out back into relationship with him and restoration, freedom from addiction. So Pastor Tony had the chance to sit down with Austin uh, a little while ago and record his testimony, so would you please watch it with me?
1: All right, I'm here today to talk with somebody who I've gotten to know over the last couple of years. His name is Austin Peters. And uh, I will say, I've gotten to see God work mightily in his life. And so I'm anxious for you to hear his story. So, Austin, thank you for being willing to do this. And like several others, we've interviewed and had their story shared. This isn't something that you feel exactly comfortable with, (laughs) but that's okay. Uh, We can all appreciate most people be mortified to even be on camera, let alone on stage. And so thank you for being willing to do this. Uh, But we do feel like your story is something that would be very encouraging for others to hear. Uh, So why don't we just begin with you just sharing a little bit of your background, your growing up, and then what began to transpire in your life that brings us to sharing your story.
2: Well, I grew up in Mastersonville, Pennsylvania. Um, I was homeschooled. I have a younger brother and an older sister. Um, And then at eight years old, we moved over to England. We were missionaries. Um, Got involved in a a church group there. Ended up hanging out with uh, some interesting characters. Um, And then from that point on, I kind of straight away... uh, worrying about my friends and stuff and trying to please other people like my friends. Um, but, yeah, I was homeschooled. and
1: That brought on its challenges. Yes, it did. Yep. What was the dynamics going like uh, between you and your parents? They probably were sniffing. Some things were shifting a little bit.
2: Yeah, my dad started to notice certain attitudes and behaviors that were questionable in growing up as a... Supposed to be a Christian child. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was there were certain things that were definitely well known to him.
1: So there came obviously a season of time where things went from, yeah, exploration, but got into some challenges with addiction. Why don't you share a little bit of that story?
2: So it, it started mainly when we moved back from England. I got my license. I was starting to hang out with other other guys that I met um, through the, our old church, and they weren't really following God. Um, with that, it kind of blossomed into experimenting with other things, smoking pot, um, drinking before I was old enough, just started to get that taste of that lifestyle, and things kind of snowballed from there. Um, kept kept experimenting. Um, yeah, and then met my first girl one of my first girlfriends and it was easy to do it because i was getting stuff from her dad and it just kind of kept snowballing and kept gradually getting away from where i had grown up and my core values um yeah it got pretty bad there
1: So it would be fair to say that it went to full-blown addiction at that point.
2: Yep, I started to notice that it was it was harder to go through daily life without having something there to help me through it, um, whether it was caffeine or pot or uh, even graduated into pills, um, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So one of the challenges when you find yourself in that place. Is knowing how to get out. Uh, so let's talk about that. So the transition from being caught in the midst of it, what was happening around you that that started giving you strength to want to get out? And, and where did you? What did you pursue help-wise?
2: To get out of it, um, it was more. I just saw how much I was hurting everybody around me. Um, I was really not doing good things to those that I loved, um, to my grandparents, to my parents, my brothers, and my sisters, and, um, just, you know, I was robbing them, and it kind of got to the point where I knew that there, there had to be a change, um, it took me a couple of tries to get to that change, um, but it was more, I just, I knew in my heart that something was wrong, and that I was putting too much into this substance. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I needed to get out. But I would use, and then I'd want to get out after I used. But then the next day, it was right back to that same cycle. um, And it just kept getting worse. But I just I, yeah, I felt like I needed to. And it was hard to to walk away from it. Lost a lot of things due to it, uh, broken marriages, cars, uh, places to live, just kept throwing everything mm. to the wind for it, jobs mm. you name it yeah,
1: well, I know you know during that season, your parents had a lot of us praying, mm. and honestly, I knew your name before I knew you mm. uh, because we were we were praying for you. Um, and I'm glad to say that's not the man I know. Mm. I know you differently uh, than the person I prayed for that was almost faceless to me. Yeah. Um, and so what did God do, would you say, were the keys to rescuing you? Okay. What were the keys
2: to that? It it took a little while. Um, it was placement of people in my life, um, but I'd have to... If I had to pick one thing, it would have been my, my dad and my mom. Um, just their whole support behind me, um, trying to help me out, but not overdoing it, letting me suffer through the things that I had to suffer through, jail time, whatever. He would, he didn't want to bail me out, wanted me to learn my lesson, which, in retrospect, was perfect. I mean, it, it helped me learn a bit better, but, um, yeah, just my dad's faithfulness to loving me no matter what I did. um, That was huge. And my grandparents, they they were a big part of that too. So they saw a lot of the struggle that I went through um, and still loved me no matter all the things that I did to them. um.
1: So there's the rescue, um, the love, the uh, unconditional love is what I'm hearing in that uh, between your parents and you really was a key part of you coming out of that. Um, I also know you do really love Jesus. Mm. Now, like, there is a true faith in you. Um, what what happened there that because it's one thing to come out of addiction, it's another thing to see like this budding relationship with God. Uh, what happened there?
2: So there it had, I had gotten out gotten away from it. I was still in the mindset of of just looking for just trying to get through life kind of thing um and i think there was there was moments where i would i would start reading the scriptures and stuff but i wasn't fully invested mm-hmm. there then there was i would have in at night i would i would tend to weep and just like cry out to god for any kind of deliverance from life period i wanted to be with him more than on Earth because it was just, it was so tempting here on Earth with all the trouble and stuff. Um, I felt that one night he told me that he would see me soon and that was in 2020 and ever since then I just, I've had an an, an undescribable joy to be here on Earth until I get to meet my my maker. Um, (laughs) I don't really know how else to put it. it. It was... It was life-changing almost. I felt almost delivered, I guess you could say. Um, And then it's just, it's been almost, it was more, I gave everything back to him. All my issues, all my trouble, all the things that had gone on, I gave it all to him and prayed for it. I went through a a program called Celebrate Recovery um, and met a great group of guys. We went through a step study and it really helped me understand like what i needed to do to get through this kind of psychological thinking Mm -hmm. made amends with my family um with my sister and my brother that was one of the harder things with with my my sister she kind of had a lot of resentment there but that just working through all that stuff um it was it was hard but it, it I can't I wouldn't want to go back. I wouldn't take anything back. Mm. Maybe some of the things I did, but <laughs> I definitely am grateful. I have so much joy now. I, I love life. I love the Lord. I want to learn everything I can about him and just follow him. I don't want to be ugly in his sight no more. Yeah. And that that's the biggest thing. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> so if there's somebody that is uh mm walking along someone that has addictions and so on. What advice would you give them? And then I'm going to ask you, what advice would you give to the person who's trying to come out of addiction?
2: Okay. Um, for somebody that's battling it, it would, it's not gonna, it's not an easy road. It takes perseverance, but giving things to God definitely helps. It might not feel it at first, but the more you give to them, the more, it becomes so much easier to go through life without having this overwhelming cloud over your over your head. Um, it's it, it is not an easy road, but with good support, um, good accountability. That's that's also the other thing is accountability. Having accountability is also so helpful um, in battling it. And for those that are stuck in it, it's. It's plain out idolatry, and if you truly love Jesus and the Maker, putting something like that in front of Him is—it's is, always idolatry, and it comes in many forms. But eliminating that can be the most freeing and life-changing thing in your life.
1: So, what advice would you have for those who are trying to help those that are struggling with addiction?
2: Tough love—it—it's—it <laughs> can be hard because. They're direct, they can be directly hurting you. I mean, and it's, it's a whole forgiveness kind of thing, but I'd, I'd have to say stick with them. Um, yeah, There's it's unconditional love, like that's, that's a huge step.
1: Well, thank you, Austin. I know that this is the journey, the story's still being written, mm. um, but I know for the many of us that were praying for you and I know for your parents, they're so pleased to see what God's done in your life. I love the man that I get to, that I now know, uh, and that's why I wanted you your story to be heard today. and so may God use your story to encourage others. Thanks again.
2: No problem.
0: Well, thank you Austin for your vulnerability. Your story, willingness to share, and praise God for what He has done in your life. In his story, Austin very clearly states that his addiction was idolatry. And he shared a few of these things, named some of them, that became idols that pulled him down this path into addiction. Some of the things he talked about were pleasure seeking, living for himself, uh, experimenting to see what more he could experience he became friends with people who were pursuing things other than Christ all of these things pulled him away and into addiction but then he often towards towards the end he then uh, identified some things that helped him get out to find that freedom in Christ some of those things were seeing how his life choices really affected those who he loved and the grief that he was causing them he felt this lack of satisfaction a deep void within himself He was spiraling out of control, and ultimately, he didn't want to displease God anymore. He wanted to stop. Now, this may not be your story, but whatever your story is, or the story of someone who you love and are praying desperately for, God is a rescuer, and He can break even the hardest of hearts. Again, we see time after time in the pages of Scripture Story of God, stories of God coming to the rescue of his people. Oftentimes, this comes in the form of God sending others to help you. I spoke, about, or spoke earlier how we are created for community. So relying on community in the midst of temptation can be so vital. God uses other people as part of his rescuing plans. Psalm 31 Was a really powerful passage for Austin as he battled through this addiction and came out into freedom. I'd like to read the first 12 verses of that. Would you turn there with me in your Bible? Psalm chapter 31. So again, Psalm 31, verses 1 through 12. "'Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. "'I hate those who cling to worthless idols. "'As for me, I trust in the Lord. "'I will be glad and rejoice in your love, "'for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. "'You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, "'but have set my feet in a spacious place. "'Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress.' My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors, and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. Reading through that, it's fairly obvious how this can be a passage that would really stand out to someone who is in the throes of addiction battling. In this psalm, David is crying out for a deliverance. He is pleading for salvation from the trap and puts his life in the hands of God. He rejects idolatry and instead turns his gaze upon the Lord. God saw the affliction that David was in and he showed him mercy. He was merciful to him. David recognizes his own weakness and cries out to God. Jesus himself knows the struggles that we face. As I said, he faced temptation. So as one who faced temptation, he goes before the Father on our behalf. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 is such an incredible passage to give healing in the midst of this. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants you to place your burdens on him. Austin shared in his story that when he was finally able to put his addiction in the hands of Jesus fully, he found freedom. How reassuring and compassionate are these verses, and they come straight out of the mouth of our rescuing savior. Being yoked with Christ does not create extra burden, but rather relief. And what, could be, what possibly could be better than finding rest for your soul? As we move back into a time of singing, pay close attention to these lyrics. If you're floundering in addiction, or trying to walk this road with someone that you love, or if you're just in a season of life where temptation is building and overwhelming, let these words be your prayer to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are a rescuing God. We come before you humbly and place our lives in your hands. And Lord, when temptation arises, I pray that instead of trying to battle on our own, that we would trust you with our lives and know that we are helpless without you. So, Lord, I'm so grateful for your presence in my life every single day. In your name I pray, amen. Let's stand together.
3: Augustine said that our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. This is the satisfaction and the freedom that we find in our rescuing God. Let's lay this down Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin Jesus is calling Have you come to the end? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Don't come to You across as you wait for the crown, tell the world of the treasure you found.
0: Well, all morning we've been talking about our God who is a rescuer. Whatever your sin, your addiction, your temptation, he will and always will. Provide a way out. 2,000 years ago, he provided the ultimate way out in the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. If you are stuck in your sin, feeling helpless and desperate, do what Austin did. Put it all at the feet of Jesus Christ. He can handle your mess, and he wants you to be his. If you're ready to talk to someone and get to know this Jesus, or if you already do know Jesus, but need to confess and experience grace again in your life. I'd be happy to talk with you after down in front. The encounter room in the back corner has people in it who would love to pray, process, and talk with you. Take advantage of that today, please. As we leave, I want to leave you with a few more verses from Psalm chapter 31 that I read earlier. This is at the end of the chapter, starting in verse 19. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all On those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. So as you go out this morning, remembering, remember that we serve a rescuing God. On your way out, because it feels like summer, we've got our Summer Interest Group Fair out there. Um, if you're looking for some community with people who have similar passions and hobbies as you, stop by those tables to see what is out there and find some great new connections this summer. Have a great week. You're dismissed.